Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting while doing so with humor and light. Welcome, everyone, to the Only Child Diaries podcast. Vegas, love it or hate it. That's how most people feel. There's no middle ground. Today, I want to share some of my Vegas stories with you. If you notice a change in my voice, it's because I've been sick. I lost my voice mostly, and now it's coming back, but still not quite 100%. Well, for me, it's been a real love story with Vegas in so many ways, but maybe not for the reasons you would assume. Back when I first moved into my studio apartment in Hollywood, I was finally starting to spread my wings. Being an only child, I had been a bit more controlled, certainly by my mom, who held me tight. I would finally break free of those constraints by telling my parents I needed some space. This was a shocking thing for them, especially my mother. Even though she had said if she had to do it all over again, she wouldn't have had me because the birth process was so tough. That didn't mean she she wanted to let me go. So confusing, right? Anyway, one day, I just realized that in order to become my own person, I was going to have to fly on my own, so to speak. And that's what I started to do. It was Christmas 1991, and I decided to drive to Las Vegas. I had my 1980 Mazda RX-7, and I took off. I remember the first time I drove up on Las Vegas and saw Excalibur and the first bunch of casinos. Wow, what a sight. How much fun was this? That first day was at Circus Circus, and I remember staying out in the remote buildings like the motor court. It was $19 a night. Such a deal. Of course, I had no idea how to gamble or what to do. I saw the slots and the table games. It would be a long time before I ventured to any of the tables. I tried a few slots and then found the Sigma Derby. It was a rectangular setup with an oval track in the middle and little tiny horses on a track. You could sit around the outside and play one quarter at a time with odds up to 200 to 1. I could sit there and milk my quarters through the races and play for a long time and maybe win something while soaking up the Vegas experience. Most of the original Sigma Derby machines are gone now, but a few still remain, and they have a Facebook group dedicated to them. There's also a newer electronic version. I still find it a lot of fun. I ended up finding a way to keep myself busy without spending too much money. They had free circus acts, 
I could walk next door to Slots of Fun and get a couple of free spins on their promo wheel. This was back in the day when most of the casinos offered a free spin or two to get you hooked and inside. I don't think it happens anymore. Then you'd get a free fun book, a small packet of coupons. Most of them were useless, but you just never knew. It was the adventure of it all. Not wanting to venture too far away, I'd then walk next door to the McDonald's for lunch. Real living. I also tried walking down Las Vegas Boulevard at night, the Strip, but that turned into a bad idea. If I was walking alone, even if I had on a baggy sweatshirt, I would get catcalls and whistles from passing cars. I realized later that they probably thought a single lone gal was a hooker. I mean, I got a lot of attention this way. It didn't feel good. So I figured later that if I did want to walk to a neighboring casino at night, I would walk close behind a group of people, like a family, but not too close, so they wouldn't think I was following them or stalking them. This way, I didn't look like I was alone, and no one would whistle at me. Circus Circus was also the first Vegas buffet I ever tried. Oh my. Well, live and learn. I remember for dinner, it was pretty cheap, like $5 or something. I think lunch was $4 and breakfast was 3 One of the truly saddest things I ever saw was a wedding party in the buffet. An older couple with the wife in a full-length wedding dress, still with the veil, and husband in a tux, eating with about 10 people in the circus buffet. Nothing like starting out your life on the right foot. (laughs) A big celebration. For the price, I guess it wasn't terrible. It could have been worse. It actually wasn't the worst buffet I'd ever encounter, but pretty close. Then I ventured across the street to the now-defunct Silver City Casino. That was a nice place. Small. I could spend all day there. They had a snack bar and a gift shop. This was the first time I discovered that a slot machine could be favorable to you. There were a couple of machines that were easier to win out than others, and I played those as much as I could. But that first trip, I had a gambling budget of about $40. I was pretty poor at the time. $40. $40. It still makes me laugh. On subsequent trips, I ventured nearby to the Stardust and the Riviera, both of which are also gone. They were both remnants of old Vegas, but the Stardust had more class to it, I thought. You could see showgirls walking around the casino to take photos with the guests. They also had a Marshall Russo shop, which featured some wonderful women's clothing with a fun twist. I bought several pieces from them over the years. They still have a few shops in some of the casinos. One time, I had planned to drive out to Vegas. This was after I had met Bill, and we were still in Hollywood, but he wasn't coming with me yet. Well. My beloved RX-7 was stolen outside of our apartment. I was heartbroken because I absolutely loved that car. Now, here's a real L.A. thing to do. Don't judge me. I had a psychic friend at the time, 
and I asked her if my car was going to be found. Seriously. It was like a member of my family. Spoiler alert, I still have it. So she looked at me like I was crazy and thought for a moment and said, yes, it would be found. I rented a car and went on my trip. And while I was there, I got word that my car had been found. I remember because I was staying at the Stardust and had booked the motor court, which was, again, like a motel-like area in the back. But they upgraded me at check-in to a very nice room in the tower. I had a big bathtub in the middle of the room and a gorgeous view of the strip. I always enjoyed going by myself and was always careful and alert to my surroundings. I found it easy to talk to people in the casino and always found it interesting. And I've always loved the drive from LA to Vegas. Yes, there's a lot of nothing, but it's easier to clear your mind and blast your music. One time I was driving and it was super hot. My car found the high elevation mountains a bit taxing this particular time, and the engine was starting to get hot. I wasn't running the AC, and I had heard that if you run the car's heater, it would help reduce the engine heat. So, so that's what I did, despite the fact that it was in the high 90s outside. But it was working. Oh, but I was, I was hot. Now, here I am cruising up the 15 freeway in 90 plus degree heat at 90 miles an hour. And suddenly there's a CHP next to me. Oh, hello. As he cruised next to me, he spoke over the loudspeaker. The speed limit, 65, not 90. I slowed way down. I assumed he just didn't want to get out of the car. It was too hot. Since then, I'm always careful to keep an eye on my rearview mirror. <laughs> my RX-7 had a lot of character in those days, especially if it was hot. When you turned it off, it would usually make a very loud bang noise out of the exhaust pipe. I had to be careful where I turned it off because I could easily make people jump out of their skin. I mean, it was loud. One time... I remember I was staying at the Sahara, which also is gone now, and I went to park in the parking garage. I knew that it was going to make that loud noise, and also with it being in the parking garage, it would echo. So I drove up to a level where it was mostly empty to turn it off. The Mazda never disappointed. Now, I understand that Las Vegas is a place that needs to be constantly reinventing itself. But I also find it a little sad that so many of the older casinos have been lost and in their place are new buildings. The Sahara, the Stardust, the Sands, the Riviera, the Aladdin, to name a few, had so much history since back in the days when the Brat Pack frequented Vegas. The Sahara was a nice hotel and I have fond memories there. I remember staying one time, and I was missing my heart dog, Mocha. Well, one of the nights, I had a dream that she was laying at the foot of my bed with me. It was a lovely dream, a lovely memory for me. Don't get me wrong, new and shiny isn't all bad. Back in the day when I first started coming to Vegas, it was hard, if not impossible, to find a decent meal. Everything was tourist, fast food, and crap. 
But as the hotels got upgraded and more and more people have moved to Vegas because of the lower cost of living, better restaurants have sprung up all over the place. Before I started going there with Bill, I went a few times with my girlfriend, Tammy. She had a friend, Meg, who was a former coworker who lived there, and we stayed at her house. Then I discovered the difference between the strip casinos and the locals' casinos. Better odds, better priced food. Meg also introduced me to the world of sports betting, which I still don't fully understand, but I've dipped into sometimes and been successful sometimes. Like all things Vegas. About this time, I also started studying blackjack. I didn't want to just sit down and try to play. That's not how I approach gambling. I try to understand the game and also the strategy. I found a great book, The World's Greatest Blackjack Book by Lance Humble. There are many books on blackjack, but this one covers so many aspects of the game. I have marveled over the years sitting at the tables and watching a father teaching his son to play or a mother teaching her daughter. Well, first of all, my parents didn't believe in gambling so much. My dad's father played the horses, and although no one had ever verbalized it to me, I got the impression he lost a lot. But here were parents showing their adult children the ins and outs of playing blackjack successfully. I didn't have that luxury. I had to teach myself, like a lot of things in this life. The book was like a mentor. It not only discusses strategy and the correct play, but outlined how to pick the right table and how to just start playing. It was all I needed. Let me just say that I really enjoy playing blackjack. Over the years, I've had great sessions and, of course, bad ones too. But it's more than that. It's about getting to meet people and observing people. It's always interesting and sometimes super entertaining. I'll get back to that. But it is how I met our good friend Betty and subsequently her husband Rick, who both live in Vegas. If you listen to my episode on being hit by a drunk driver, you know that they were very special people to us at that point. Well, the first time Bill came with me, we had planned the trip, and for whatever reason, he got cold feet that morning and balked at going with me. I told him matter-of-factly that he was going with me and he would have a great time. For this trip, I had been on a hotel stay at a fundraiser I had recently attended. It was for a hotel I hadn't heard of, but, I mean, aren't they all pretty much the same? Hmm. Arizona Charlie's on Decatur off the strip, but that was okay. Well, included in the package I won was also a voucher for two at the buffet. Okay, this buffet was definitely worse than the circus buffet. And that's saying a lot. We arrived and went down for dinner. If you've seen the film Vegas Vacation, you'll know what I'm talking about. I was surprised that they were actually serving Stouffer entrees in large pans. What? 
How is that even a thing? I'm surprised one of the dishes wasn't blue, like in the Chevy Chase film. Bill had some of the hush puppies, I remember. Okay, it wasn't all bad, but instead of customers paying them, they should have been paying customers to eat this food? Could you really call it food? Well, that night, the hush puppies made another appearance. Yeah, poor Bill got sick that night later in our room. I couldn't blame him. Also, later that night, about 4 a.m., the fire alarm went off. Have you been in a hotel when a fire alarm goes off? It's loud, of course, and very disorienting to wake up in the middle of the night, in the dark, in a strange place and deal with this. Well, it definitely wasn't a great start to Vegas for Bill, but luckily, he decided to give it another try and has come to love it like me. I started going to a place called Sam's Town after my neighbor in the apartments told me about it. Joanna lived underneath me, and this was when I would go out to our pool on weekends, when I felt okay wearing a bathing suit. Having struggled with weight issues my whole life, it's been up and down. (laughs) Anyway, Joanna would be at the pool too, and often we would be the only two there, so we struck up a friendship. We talked about a lot of things, and she ended up telling me how much she loved Samstown. I had become familiar with the locals' casinos from Meg, but that was on the other side of town. Samstown, which is on Boulder Highway, is closer to Henderson. The first time I went there, I was sold. Bill and I had been staying at Texas Station, but the casino rates had gotten higher for us, and the blackjack tables weren't as lenient to players anymore. The casino rate is the rate that regular players get from the hotel for rooms. It's often discounted or sometimes comped based on your play. Anyway, since then, we've stayed at Samstown for most all our visits. Whereas most casinos were filled with smoke, Samstown was literally a breath of fresh air. It features a very large atrium area called Mystic Falls and features fresh, climate-controlled air, trees, plants, a high glass ceiling, and a stream and big waterfall. During the holidays, it's really beautifully decorated, too. One year, when Ellie was coming out for her annual visit, my mother-in-law, we decided to ask her to fly to Vegas to meet us there. I spoke about my mother-in-law, Ellie, in a recent episode. Anyway, Bill, his brother Sheldon, and I drove out to Vegas and met Ellie at the airport. We got adjoining rooms at Samstown, and Sheldon stayed in the other room with his mom. I've never seen anyone reorganize a hotel room, but Ellie did. She had to keep busy. She had to make things her own. She was careful with her money, and she obviously hadn't spent much time in a casino. We took her down to eat, of course, and in the morning, she and Sheldon would go down early, get some coffee, and sit in the atrium. But a couple of times, she said she wanted to try the slot machines. It was funny because she put one lonely nickel into a machine and hit spin. And when the reel stopped, she said, what happens now? Did I win? (laughs) No, you didn't. Now, Vegas is known for its shows, and Ellie wanted to see a show. We went to a place that sells tickets to most all of the Vegas shows and looked at the list. 
Ellie squealed with delight and said, oh, let's see Mamma Mia. Here's one thing I loved about Bill and his brother's relationship with their mom. They really delighted in making her happy and giving her things she wanted. So they replied, yeah, let's do it. I'm not sure, but I think it was at Mandalay Bay. When we were waiting to be seated, Bill turned to me and whispered something like, what is this show about anyway? I had to laugh inside. Bill and his brother were into music, sure enough, but mostly the blues and older rock. Greg Allman, the Allman Brothers, Cream, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix. I replied, well, it's a story built around songs by ABBA. The disappointment was palpable. But in the end, everyone enjoyed it. And Bill and his brother especially enjoyed the fact that there were live musicians in the pit performing during the show. Ellie was thrilled to pieces. We all delighted in watching her enjoy the show, and I loved it as well. It's a great show. Like I said earlier, I love playing blackjack because I get to meet so many people from different places and have so many fun stories. I have a limit to how much I will let myself lose at any one day or time in total, but I've watched players put down hundreds of dollars and lose only to come back from the ATM with another thousand or so and then lose that. So I don't feel so bad. There was a time I went to Laughlin, Nevada, and I was playing and someone at the table asked me if I was counting cards. Seriously? Everyone, including the dealer, stopped and looked at me waiting for my answer. I said, well, if I was, I wouldn't be playing at a $5 table. And everyone laughed. No, I don't count cards. I I guess I could, but it seems like a lot of work. One day back in Vegas, two guys sat down at the $25 table with me. Only one spoke English. The other guy kept trying to give me chips, which isn't allowed. They were talking back and forth in Spanish. And finally, the guy who spoke English turned to me and he said, my friend says, if you want to come with him to Mexico, he will pay all your expenses and take care of you. I mean, what do you say to an offer like that? First of all, didn't they see my wedding ring? I guess not. After I laughed that off, the tone of the table changed. And then I later found out that the dealer got in trouble for allowing him to give me chips. There are times when I have great winning sessions, and there are times when I can sit at a table and stay even for literally hours. And there are times when I might as well just give the dealer my money and walk away. (laughs) Oh, Well, there was one trip earlier this year. I sat down at this table, and this older guy says to me, slightly drunk, You'll have to bet $100 to sit here. It was a $15 table. I replied, is that all? And he said, oh, I was just kidding. This guy was from Texas. I found out his wife was sitting at the other end of the table. When I told my husband this later, he said, was she throwing daggers at you? No, she was over it. (laughs) Then there was another drunk guy at the table, Casey from Montana. I still remember everyone's names. 
Mr. Texas was into asking everyone where they were from. So up walks this guy and sits down next to me. Mr. Texas asks him where he's from, but it's obvious he doesn't want to say. Evasive. Okay. But his name is Dave. Well, when they first asked him his name, he answered, which one? Which one? What the heck does that mean? Then he tells us he's actually trying to break into comedy. He said that he's going to go over to the MGM and try to get into a show. Now, the MGM is a big hotel. They have like 5,000 guest rooms. I mean, this is big time. Okay. So about this time, I told him that I did stand up for about six years. He quieted down a bit, but asked me if I had any tips because as he put it, he's afraid of people. Oh my. I asked if he's performed at all. And he said that, yes, he's told jokes to his family. Okay. Uh, well, Casey asked him to tell us a joke. And it started out, why did the chicken cross the road? Hey, Dave, don't quit your day job. (laughs) This is why I love Vegas. At least one of the reasons. There's always a lot of free entertainment as well. Next week, I'm going to tell you some more Vegas stories, including the time we got married, the time we drove out to a lonely complex in the middle of the desert to get a guitar fixed, and some of our misadventures driving to and from Vegas. I hope you'll join me. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you might listen on. And consider rating Only Child Diaries and writing a review. It helps others to find us. Please share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook, Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tracy Wallace, and these are the Only Child Diaries. <laughs>